the book of Revelation, the Apostle John compares and contrasts two great cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. And in this episode of The Follower, we are going to examine both of these cities and discuss why they're significant in the book of Revelation and also draw out some applications in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. My name is Michael Brogna, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So as we've been going through this book by uh, Brian Tabb, All Things New, we're getting to the very end now. We've got uh, two more chapters after this episode, and we will, or I should say I will have read the book and shared some of the highlights that I found uh, in each of the chapters. Uh, in this particular chapter, uh, Tab entitles this chapter, Babylon the Harlot and Jerusalem the Bride. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we are going to take some time to to kind of uh, compare and contrast in the book of Revelation. Uh, John just kind of places side by side, if you will, these, these two great cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. And Tab does, I think, a pretty fascinating job in discussing some of this. Again, if you're interested in going into much deeper uh, detail, I highly recommend the book. All Things New by Brian Tabb. Uh, but here are some of the things that uh, that I've noticed. Uh, most of these uh, similarities or the comparison and contrast uh, are found in chapters 17 through 21 of the book <clears throat> of Revelation. And in chapter 17, we uh, in verses 1 through 2, it says this, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And so John, uh, in this revelation, uh, is told to come, and he's going to see the judgment of this great prostitute who is sitting on many waters. And as you continue to read through chapter 17, and we won't take the time to do that now, but at the end of chapter 17 and verse 18, it says, and the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. And this great city, as we'll see here in just a moment, uh, is referred to as Babylon the Great. Eight times in the book of Revelation, Babylon is called Great. It's a great city, and um, we need to talk about that. What makes Babylon so great? Is it great because it's good? Is it great 
because of something else. And we'll find out uh, that yeah, Babylon is not a great city in a good sense. But as Tab points out, Babylon is great in the sense of worldly glory and earthly majesty and uh, material wealth and human prosperity and those sort of things. And, and Tab, in his book, does a good job to talk about Babylon not only being code language for the city of Rome. Now, obviously it was, and when the original readers would have read this book, if you will, the book of Revelation, and they would have heard about Babylon, they they would have known that this is probably in many parts in reference to the city of Rome. But Tab points out that it's not only Rome, but that Babylon in the book of Revelation has a, a much broader meaning and it includes places like Sodom and Egypt and Babel from which we get Babylon. And uh, Babylon in Revelation can refer to either or any of these places, whether it's Rome or Sodom or Babel or Egypt, depending on the context. But Babylon as a general rule, signifies humanity's rebellion against God. So Tab again points out that this city, the, the great city, Babylon the Great is representative of worldly riches and majesty and wealth and immorality and earthly spirituality. And in this sense, this city, Babylon, is like a prostitute, uh, tempting alluring others to enter into uh, an immoral uh, lifestyle or an act, adorning herself with all these earthly riches. And we see in the book of Revelation, as John mentions, that the nations of the earth have fallen for this temptation. They've given in to this great prostitute known as Babylon the Great. And in chapter 17, verses 3 through 6, John, again, recording this revelation that, that he has uh, seen, says this, and he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations 
and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. And John has this revelation and vision of the uh, adornment, the temptation, the personality of this great city. And in chapter 18, we see that the, the nations have given in to, to these temptations. Verses 1 through 3, and I'll read this in chapter 18. John says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And Tab in this book uh, goes into great detail in, in commenting on these things, but for our purposes, again, we're reminded that in the compare and contrasting of these two cities, there's one great city called Babylon the Great that is a prostitute in essence, a harlot, tempting uh, others, the nations of the world, the kings of the earth to commit acts of immorality and indecency and idolatry with her. And that is exactly what has happened. So how are we, or how are the saints, how are the Christians who first read this, how should they respond to the, the reality that they are faced with these temptations as well from Babylon the Great? After the break, we'll discuss that. This great city, Babylon, has incredible power to tempt all of the nations of the earth to uh, follow her, to uh, become one with her, to give in to these temptations and all these outer adornments and committing acts of spiritual immorality and adultery against God. And the people of God are in the midst of this city. Uh, again, if, if we consider the original context and we think of John's 
audience, the, the first century church in Rome, who would have read this and would have identified themselves, obviously, as God's people and Babylon as the Roman Empire and the persecution and the martyrdom and the social um, uh, isolation that they were experiencing because of the Roman Empire. How are they to live in a society like this, uh, within a kingdom that is so evil and immoral? In chapter 18, verses 4 and 5, John hears a, a voice again, uh, of another angel in verse 4 of chapter 18 it says then I heard another voice from heaven saying come out of her my people lest you take part in her sins lest you share in her plagues for her sins are heaped high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities so here the the people of God are commanded they're told to come out of this city this great city Babylon come out of her lest you take part in her sins and this coming out of this city is a reminder uh, to God's children this early church that this is a warning it's a warning uh, at this time to for them not to give in, not to succumb to the temptations, to be aware of the power of the attraction of this great city and and what it has to offer in a worldly perspective, but not an eternal, heavenly, Christian perspective. And they are constantly uh, confronted and tempted by this great city, and they are told to, to come out of her. Well, I would ask, and I did ask, where where would they go if they're if they're leaving this great city Babylon? Is there some place for God's people to go if they don't want to reside in the great city of Babylon? And the answer is in the book of Revelation, yes, that God has another city, uh, unlike the prostitute, the harlot of Babylon. God has a holy city, a pure city. In fact, we're told that this city is God's bride. And this city, of course, we know as the new Jerusalem. And in Revelation chapter 21, the first two verses says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And now we have another woman, another bride, uh, if you will, uh, not another bride, but a bride compared to this immoral harlot, we have a holy bride, the new Jerusalem. And what we learn about the new Jerusalem is fascinating, and we're going to look at these things now.
the new city, the new Jerusalem, is in stark contrast to the uh, prostitute, the harlot, uh, Great Babylon. And in chapter 21 of Revelation, there's certain things that I think are worth noting about the new Jerusalem. As we read in the first couple verses, we're told that the um, this city is holy. It's a holy city. It's holy, again, in sharp contrast to the filth and the unholiness of Babylon the Great. And we're told that it comes down from heaven, coming down out of heaven from God. So, in essence, God is, in his love, is sending the people of God a new city to reside in. Come out of Babylon the Great, the people are commanded. And as they're coming out of this immoral city and all that it represents, God is providing a better place, a better city that is not of the earth, that is not of earthly majesty and riches and wealth, but it is of heavenly origin. It is a gift from God coming down. And in this sense, it's, an, it's a, truly an act of divine love that God sends this city, the new Jerusalem, for God's people as a place where they will dwell and reside and live forever. And so in this sense, the city itself is referred to as a bride. In verses 9 through 11 of chapter 21, John says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. <clears throat> I know we tend to think of the church as being the bride, and we know that that is true. What John's doing here is he's kind of mixing metaphors. He's now using the city as God's bride, not the people, but the city itself coming down from God to, uh, to the people as the bride, as we say here, come, I will show you the bride, John says, the wife of the lamb. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. And what a beautiful place as you read in Revelation 21, that this city truly is. And I'm not going to read about all the jewels and the precious metals and stones that we read about uh, that really make the city sparkle with, with glory, but it should be seen in comparison and contrasting with Babylon the Great. Remember, this great city, this great 
uh, harlot, Babylon, also adorned herself with jewels. But those are things that are fading glory of earthly glory. Babylon the Great's glory is fading. But this new city that comes down from heaven to God's people, whom they are told to enter into and will live and reside, that glory, the glory of the new Jerusalem, is of heavenly and eternal glory and will never, ever, ever fade. And so it's a great message of hope for God's people, for John's hearers, to know that even though they're in the midst of this this horrible worldly power, the great Babylon, that they can still remove themselves spiritually, if you will, emotionally from her and look to a new greater. As we wrap up this episode, I think it's important to make a few comments about, again, the hope, uh, the good news that this would have been to the original hearers who were in the midst of such great uh, persecution and trial and, and tribulation and temptation because they were living in the midst of this great city, Babylon, uh, the Roman Empire. And yet they're told to to come out of her, if you will, to to leave behind and to not enter in to all of the sins that are associated with living in the world. And as they come out of the great city of Babylon, God is preparing this great holy city, the new Jerusalem, which will be their true place of dwelling and residence. And it's interesting as I was reading through these chapters in Revelation, especially uh, chapter 21, the things that you won't find in the new Jerusalem. Now there's a lot of things you will find, but uh, I, I made a list of all the things that you will not find in the new Jerusalem. And these things include, there will not be, you will not find tears. You will not find any more death. You will not find any more mourning or crying. We're told that you will not find any more pain. That you will not find a temple there. You won't find a sun or a moon, you won't find any gates that are closed. The New Jerusalem gates are open all the time, 24-7 access into the New Jerusalem. You won't find night. You won't find anything unclean. You won't find any person who does what is detestable or false and you will find nothing in the New Jerusalem that is accursed. What incredible hope of a glimpse of the future of where God's people will reside. Now obviously, what makes and what will make heaven so wonderful is the fact that, that we will be with the Lord 
in a real physical present way but the things that we will no longer experience which again would have been such a word of hope and encouragement to God's children in the first century it's such a difficult time for them the tears being gone the death the, the pain no more pain of any kind and the hope of this eternal city residing in a new Jerusalem where God and the Lamb are at the center, where His people are worshiping Him, where they are free to enjoy the new creation. Again, the title of this book by Tab is All Things New. This is a new Jerusalem, not an old one. So that is uh, encouragement to continue to follow Jesus for this first century church, for these believers in the midst of such a great evil city, Babylon. They're encouraged to follow Jesus and keep walking with him until they enter into this new heavenly home that is promised to them, the new Jerusalem. And that's our hope. That's our challenge today. And that is my prayer for, for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. God bless you as you follow him wherever you're at. Keep this in mind that there's great days ahead, glorious days ahead, because God loves us and has provided something so incredible for us. And with John at the end of Revelation, we too can say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, please return now. We don't want to wait too much longer. But while we do, we'll follow Jesus and give him glory for everything. God bless you. See you next time.